And here also, if it's not your first time, you're also a gift, and we're glad you're here. So you matter too. Um, but we are wrapping up our message series that we've entitled "I Pray," and we've been looking into this uh, topic of prayer that is so essential and so crucial to our lives as Christ followers. And it's about having an ongoing conversation with the God, the Creator of the universe, who wants nothing more than to be in relationship with you, with His children. And so, just for a brief moment, I want. Want to recap if you haven't been with us, um, and if you just so you know, we record our messages every Sunday and we put them up on the iTunes store so you can go back and listen to any messages that you've missed. Uh, we also put it on our website, so that's available for you if you're not here. <clears throat> but we've been looking at prayer, we've been looking at um, the different ways that it plays out in our lives. We've talked about uh, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer and different prayer barriers in our lives that get in the way of our conversation with God. Last week, John talked about the heartbreak of unanswered prayers and how sometimes in our, in our prayers, the answer we get from God is no or slow or grow or sometimes there's no answer that we can hear or see. And we looked at the character of God who is willing and able to do immeasurably more than anything we can hope for or dream of. And then he sent Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, to us, to be with us, to, so that we can have an ongoing conversation and relationship with God. And that is the essence of this Christian faith. We can have a prayer life all day, every day, wherever we go. So this week we're going to wrap up this message series, and um, we've called this message Bold Prayers. And uh, to pray bold prayers means we need a fully surrendered faith. And I'm going to dig into that a little bit this morning on what it means to pray boldly with a fully surrendered faith. Fully meaning our whole life. Surrendered meaning sacrifice, handed over to God, all of it, recognizing that it's all God's anyway. And then faith, believing that God is who God says he is and that you can trust your life with him and fully surrender in full confidence that God's will is better than anything that we can conjure up. In the book of Matthew, Jesus is leaving the temple with his disciples, and he says this. He says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but you also can say to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Whatever you ask for, whatever, not some wimpy, weak prayer that you really don't even need God for, like, oh, I pray I have a good day today, or I hope this food tastes great, or whatever. Maybe some cooking does need some God intervention. But um, the um, impossible prayers, the bold prayers, the mountain-moving prayers, Jesus gives us that example as a way to say, um, you're Bowl of prayers is what I'm asking of you. I'm not asking for things that you, you're praying for that you're not going to rely on me to provide for. He says, mountain-moving prayers, because God is able to do what we can't do on our own. <clears throat> and that would be a bold and courageous, and Jesus tells us that we can come to him with faith and belief, and it, in order to do that, it requires a fully surrendered faith. This promise that Jesus makes here takes us back to what John talked about last week, and I wanted to uh, bring that up. He said that God, uh, in so many words, he said, God wants to make us into people who get what we want. And you might hear that and go, 
so I can just have whatever I want. That's great. I'll do this whole God thing. But really what it means is if we live a fully surrendered life of faith, we would ultimately want what God wants, and therefore we'll ask for what God would ask for. So when we pray, God, your kingdom come, your kingdom, not my kingdom, your will be done, not my will be done, God says, yes, if you're asking for my will be done, then you can, ask, then you can have what you ask for. So in, a sense, in essence, that's what that means, that he wants us to become people who want what he wants. You got it? You want to repeat that back? No, just kidding. Um, but then the truth is here, we have to be okay with the answer that God gives us. And when you're okay with the answer that God gives us, that's a sign that you're on, the, on, on your way to that. But it is a journey. And it will take fully surrendered faith. So this morning, I wanted to spend some time. I went round and round the whole Bible. I mean, try to narrow down bold prayers of faith from the Bible. And there's so many. But um, this morning, I wanted to point us to the story that was founded, that's found in Genesis, of Abraham and Sarah. Many of you are familiar with this story, and it spans over 10 chapters in the book of Genesis. And Kellen said, oh my gosh, we're going to be here for like 10 hours because there's so many slides. We really aren't. Um, but we are going to read this story. I think the responsibility of the church is to read the Bible together in community and then to unpack what it means and how we can see ourselves in the story. So I thought important this morning to, to point us to the story of Abraham and Sarah. And um, I've picked out some passages to move this story along. So it's going to start in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and it says, oh, and let me say this, Abraham and Sarah, who we know, some of you know that, that name, their names started out as Abram and Sarai. So throughout here, we're going to see Abram and Sarai. Eventually, God gives them a new name. So uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he sent out from Haran. And then verse 7, it says, To your offspring I will give this land. See, God had given Abram several blessings, several promises, but the one that we're going to spend time on this morning is this, uh, the key word of father and this word offspring. See, the impossible calling, the impossible mountain in front of Abram is this. He's 75 years old. Sarai has not been able to have a, a child, so they're barren. And he's thinking, this is a mountain that I clearly cannot get through on my own because we have not been able to conceive a child without that. So how in the world is this going to happen? <clears throat> now, for all of the Christ followers in the room, if you are here today and you claim the name Christian, you claim the name Christ, I have a question for you. Do you believe that God has a call for your life? Do you truly believe that God has uniquely designed you for something special? Because he has. He designed you to fill a need in this world that you can only fulfill with God's help. It's a mountain-moving kind of dream. And if you try to do it on your own, you will always fall short. Okay? So this story of Abraham that we listen to this, as we listen to this today, find yourself in the story. Their mountain is this old age and unable to bear, bear children in this piece of this call. What is it for you? What mountain is in your way that you see impossible to move? 
and you do not know how you're going to get through this. And as we journey through this, be asking God, what revealed to me, what is this mountain? For John and I, we had a call we felt on our lives to go into ministry together. John was working in corporate America, and I was working in the church, and we just thought this would be great. And then John said, hey, I want to quit my job and go to seminary. And we said, that's a great mountain that we can't make it through because we had so much debt. And there was no way around it. In fact, we met with a financial planner and we sat down and I'd worked really hard and I got our budget all lined out and Bryce would have been so proud and, and I had all, and all the numbers and everything and I sat down and I said, I have $50 of disposable income a month to pay down my debt. And she looked at me and she's like, yeah. <laughs> she laughed. Not so, I mean, she was sweet. But she said, you're going to have to come back when you have a little more than that. And uh, it, we felt a little distraught. Like this is, uh, we don't know how we're going to do this. So for us, it was this mountain of debt, money, that is going to stand in the way. What is it for you? What is it that's in the way of God, of you kind of living into this God calling on your life? So let's see what happens here. So through the, through the story, they're being faithful. They're traveling. God has promised him land. And, and they pass through Egypt. And, they, and while they're traveling through Egypt, um, Abram and Sarai, they tell the Pharaoh of Egypt just a little lie that Sarai is his sister and not his wife because he's scared that he's going to be killed because they wanted Sarai for babies. And, um, but then God cursed the whole land and no one could have babies until they left. It was just this whole big mess. But anyway, um, they, they're following God's, God's way. They're, they're doing what they're told. They become very wealthy. Um, they're wealthy in livestock. They're, they've got, uh, it says they're rich in silver and in gold. But there's that missing piece. Like, there's still that holy discomfort. Like, all these things are happening, which is good. Protection and money and all of that. But something's missing. And then God tells him again in, in 13, uh, chapter 13. He says, Abram, uh, I will make your offspring, your children, like the dust of the earth. So that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. And then Abram questions God. And he says, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram says, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and he said, look to the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. And so he's, he's got this this promise is confirmed again with God. And he's like, okay, well, I, I, I feel like I'm being protected. I feel like I'm in your favor. And so he's looking at the mountain and he's like, okay, old, no kids. What do we do? I can't just keep sitting here and twiddling my thumbs, right? So what are we going to do about it? And uh, they're thinking, okay, maybe we didn't hear God correctly. Maybe we misunderstood. Maybe the offspring is just going to come from Abram and not Sarai. So they're coming up with a plan. Um, they put on their backpacks. They're going to climb this mountain on their own without God's help. And we do that, don't we? Don't we? We, we get impatient on God's timing. We pray these, these prayers, these mountain-moving prayers, and God just takes his time. And we say, okay, fine. I'll, let me see what I can do. Because what you're doing is not good enough. It's not satisfying. I think I can do this on my own. So then we read in, in, uh, in 16, uh, Sarai, Abram's wife, um, had still no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And so she said to Abram, the Lord, 
She blames the Lord. The Lord has kept me from having children. So go and sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build my family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, so he's 85 years old now, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. They're so desperate to start a family, so desperate to do what they think God is calling them to do, that they take this action. And the result is not good. Because it says, right after that, it says, when she knew she was pregnant, that is Hagar, she began to despise her mistress, Sarah, uh, Sarai. And then Sarai says to Abraham, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. Marriage problems kicking in here. I put my slave in your arms, and now she knows she's pregnant, and she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. And he says, your slave is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think is best. And Sarai mistreated Hagar, and she fled from her. See, they're outside of God's will. It's not the plan. And so there's friction and there's trouble and there's heartache. Now, in the Old Testament, it wouldn't have been out of line if, uh, if, uh, if they could not bear children to take someone from their household a slave and, and then be sure that the bloodline would continue. So that wasn't quite out of bounds. The culture would have uh, approved of that. So they were thinking maybe this is the norm. And I don't think they were necessarily trying to defy God. Maybe there was impatience. But the culture kind of said it was okay, so maybe it was all right. So instead of waiting on God, they took it in their, in their own arms, and as a result, they got a son. Well, Hagar and Abram got a son. His name is Ishmael, and he was 86 years old. Uh, Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. What happens when we live outside of God's will? How many times do we do that? How many times have you done that? You know God's called you to do something, you just can't wait. Or you know you've been praying for something to happen and it's just taking too long. And you take, it, you take matters into your own hands and then it just doesn't turn out the way we hope. So we push our own agenda. And then we get frustrated at God. We blame God. God, you didn't give me children. God, I was so qualified for that job and I went after it. I know that's where you had me go. I was way more qualified than that person. Why did they get the job? Don't you want this for my life? Didn't I hear you right? I'd venture to say a lot of times those mountains that we see that we can't move are not because of God. A lot of times they're because of us. See, the barrier here was for Adam, uh, Abram was, it was, he was too old. And their solution was, we'll just find another woman to, to conceive. But that wasn't the right answer. But here's the thing. I don't think we're supposed to just sit around. I think it's good for us to try to figure things out. I mean, we're, we can't just wait and twirl our thumbs. God wants us to act in faith and do the best we can, right? So he still blesses this. Um, Ishmael would be blessed. And um, it wouldn't be in vain because he was still Abram's son. But the holy discomfort remained in them. For John and I, when we, we uh, finally took some radical, crazy steps to get out of debt, and, and we lost friends, and it was very painful and very difficult, um, we, that was our solution. We, to go into ministry, we had to get out of debt. And that, is, that was one step. That is true. But that was not the uh, mountain, and that was not the answer. Now, God would bless it. We absolutely needed to get out of debt. That was a terrible way for us to live. But we would learn quickly that it was not just about that that the holy discomfort would remain until we learned what the true mountain was in our lives. 
So we move on in Genesis 17. It says, when Abram is 99 years old, 25 years after he has been given this, this uh, promise, he is 99 years old. And the Lord appeared to him and he said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of nations. Abraham means father of many And yet, he still only had Ishmael. So he's getting prepared for something that he can't quite see yet. And then God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai, which could have been interpreted as quarrelsome. He said, Her name will be Sarah, which means princess. He said, I will bless her and surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down and he laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac, which means laughter. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. 90 years old, and she will bear a child. The impossible mountain is going to be moved, right? There's name changes. They're being prepared for this calling, to this promise to actually come through. And Abraham laughs, maybe out of joy, maybe out of disbelief. So then the Lord visits him again, and Sarah overhears him talking, and, and she, uh, that, making this promise. And, and they say, the Lord says, this time next year, she's going to have a baby, And so it says here, it says, Sarah laughed to herself and thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, I can just hear it. I don't know if she probably didn't say it like that, but it could be like, oh, now I'll have the pleasure. Um, Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is any mountain too big, any barrier too strong for the Lord? But she laughs, maybe out of joy, maybe out of disbelief, maybe out of, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a baby, I'm going to have midnight feedings and diaper changes, and I'm going to have to go through labor, oh my goodness, right? But she did, and she has a child, and his name is Isaac, as the Lord had promised, and Abraham was 100 years old. And then she says, God has brought me laughter. And Isaac means laughter. And everyone who hears about this is going to laugh at me. And she added, who would have thought, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. So imagine this. Imagine this. You are Sarah and Abraham, and you finally have the answered prayer. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting You've been dreaming of this time. And you're still wondering about the numerous descendants part because you only have one child and you're 190. But this impossible mountain has been climbed. Here's the thing. The story doesn't end there. In fact, this part of the story is gut-wrenching. It's heart-wrenching. It's one of the stories in the Bible that is crucial to your story, to my story, to the faith of Abraham. And in Genesis 2, Abraham is tested. It starts out, it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. 
God says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. And it says he cuts enough wood for the offering and sets out for this place. And he has Isaac carry the wood that he's prepared. Now, I want to take a minute here. Isaac, who's often portrayed as a little boy, when you look at the storybook pictures in the Bible, he's like this little boy. Um, It's quite possible that Isaac was a young man because he had to carry enough wood up a mountain to lay on his own altar. In fact, the next chapter, it says that Sarah dies at 127, so the age range for Isaac could be anywhere from like 10 to 37 years old. So it's likely that he is a young man who is strong enough to carry this wood up to his altar. And on the way up the mountain, he asks his dad, he says, hey, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham says, God will provide the lamb for the offering. And then they get to the top, and Abraham prepares the altar, and he, and he binds Isaac and places him on the wood. And Isaac must have been willing, because if he could carry the wood all the way up, all the, way up the mountain, he surely could have taken out his eight, 100-year-old dad. I mean, he's strong, right? But it was clear Isaac was submitting to the will of his dad. And as Abraham is raising his knife, uh, this part of the story, is, uh, he's, he's raising it to sacrifice his son. He's raising it to surrender his dream, his hope, his heart, everything he had been promised and hoped for to say, okay, God, it's yours. Here I go. God intervenes and he says, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know you fear God because you have not withheld your son from me. You have surrendered it all. You have feared. You have faith. You are fully surrendered to me. And because of that experience, because of that, I will, I will fulfill my promise to you. You thought that the barrier to this calling, that the mountain that was so big was your infertility and, and your old age, but that wasn't it at all. It was your faith. You were impatient. You thought that you could move the mountain on your own. You thought you could do this without me. And that's not it at all. See, for John and I, it wasn't debt. It wasn't money and possessions and lifestyle. It was our clinging to earthly things. It wasn't money that was holding us back from ministry. It was our security and a paycheck and a standard of living that we had to let go of. The process of reducing debt and paying off all that was painful, but we had to trust that God would provide what we needed at just the right time. The mountain wasn't debt, the mountain was trust and faith that God would take care of it all, that God is the God who provides. And in that moment on that mountain, when Isaac was on the altar and Abraham was ready to give it all, God provided. But it wasn't a lamb. He provided a ram. It said Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. God provided a ram because the time had not yet come to provide the lamb. And that lamb would come later through the descendants of Abraham and Isaac, and his name would be Jesus. And Jesus would be the one to carry his own wooden cross up the mountain. 
Jesus would willingly submit to his Father. He would allow himself to be bound to that cross. And the Father would give his one and only Son as a sacrifice for you and for me for all of eternity. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. All of that, that whole story is for you and it's for me. And so today I ask you, what is standing in the way of a fully surrendered faith? So often we spend too much time focusing our prayers on those mountains instead of the mountain mover. When Abraham offered Isaac, he knew God would provide. The test of faith, he passed with flying colors. And I'm sure he was terrified, and I'm sure he was sad and confused. God, isn't this what you wanted? But okay, not my will, but your will be done. Can God trust you to do the same? Do you trust God to provide for you? The bold prayer for my life changed from, God, make it a way for John and I to do ministry together, to just, God, make it crystal clear how I am going to live this life. Whatever it looks like, I want to please you. And it looks very different than what we thought it would like, look like. We had to surrender that and say, God, your, your will. And we get it wrong, by the way, all the time. <laughs> we take it back from God. We think we let him, let him have it and we take it back. Surrender is, a, is, a, is a, not a one and done thing. We, we come back to it over and over again. And so what's your next step for you? What does your bold prayer look like? The biggest mountain in your life right now, the biggest barrier in your prayer life is probably most likely the thing that causes the greatest anxiety in you, the greatest holy discomfort. And more than likely, you are holding on to it and not surrendering it to God. What could you do today to surrender that? Maybe it's just a renewal of faith. Maybe you've gotten off track. Maybe you just need to re, uh, realign and say, okay, God, um, I've lost sight of this. Help me focus on you. Today, is, you can have that conversation today. And maybe you've been sitting here all morning and you've been very uncomfortable with this talk and you've been experiencing holy discomfort in your soul because you know you have never actually fully surrendered your life to Christ. Today can be the day. In a minute, I'm going to call the ushers forward. But before I do that, I want to pray with you. And um, if you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And if this is you today, if, if you need to realign or you need to fully surrender, um, would you repeat this prayer after me? And you can repeat it inside of your head. You do not have to say it out loud. But this conversation is between you and God who wants your fully surrendered faith. Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I've been trying to do this life without you and I am ready to surrender control. I recognize that on my own it's not working. I'm sorry for the ways that I have turned my back on you, for the ways I have turned my back on others, and I know that I am in need of your forgiveness and your love. So please, Lord Jesus, come and be the center of my life. 
Help me to live a fully surrendered life with you. Give me the boldness to pray and the faith that you will come through. Thank you for your unfailing love in my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If that is you today and you have said that prayer, don't stop the conversation here. God wants you to continue to be in prayer with him day in and day out. If our ushers would come forward with our uh, baskets this morning, we have a connect card uh, on here. And on the back, uh, there's a place that says more info, please. Becoming a follower of Jesus. If you feel like you, are, you need more, you want to know more about what this life, this fully surrendered life looks like, check that. Let us know. We would love to walk alongside you. Today, when you leave here, uh, boldly, be bold in how you uh, communicate with others. Ask someone to be with you. Say, hey, I need to, I need, can you come pray with me? You come meet with me. I need to talk about this. So as we collect our offering this morning, when it comes by, you can place those connect cards in there. And um, we give this all to God this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you for all that you've given us and all that you are. We know it is all yours. This morning, we surrender it to you. As we give of our offerings, God, we know that all we have is yours. We ask that you continue to use it and bless it in ways that we haven't even imagined yet. And we boldly ask that you give us the courage to surrender what we need to to follow you. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.